series called uh, This House, and I just want to give you a quick review, and then we're going to start in Philippians 4.8. Go on the uh, app. You can go on Spotify or iTunes and the Elevate Life Church podcast. You can listen to that. I want to encourage you, anytime you miss service, go on there and hear the word, but I want to make sure you're getting this word on the inside of you because I believe it is something that will bless your life. We started a few weeks back talking about the, the, the analogy that Jesus uh, used about your life. He said, your life is either going to be like the man that builds his house upon the rock or the man that builds his house upon the sand. We know the rock being the word of God. And what is sand? Sand actually is little rocks, which is, speaks of people's opinions, speaks of culture. It speaks of, you know, how you were raised, the family you come from. And many of us are building our lives on these little rocks, these pebbles, these sands. Well, Jesus warns us that if you build on that, when the storms come, you're not going to be able to get through it. Could be why we have so many divorces in America or why we have so many children that come from broken homes because when storms hit, our houses cannot stand. But if I can get you to build your house upon the rock, Jesus said, then you're, when the storms do come, and they do come, amen? They come if you're you know, doing well or not. Everybody has to experience storms, okay? And Jesus said, but when it comes, you're, your family and you will be able to last. And we talked about that. Then we talked about Joshua. We went to the book of Joshua where Joshua made the declaration, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we began to dissect that a little bit and say, as for me, it always starts with you. It's interesting how we're always trying to get people to do things that we don't even do. Come on, Come on. especially parents, Amen. Oh, come on, parents, you know it's true. We want our kids to act right, but you don't act right. We're on our kids about, hey, your big mouth, but where do you think they got that big mouth from? Let's talk to your coworkers. Let's talk to your supervisor. You got the biggest attitude, but you're mad that your kids have an attitude. And so sometimes what we do is we expect our kids and the people around us to act right, even though we don't. And that's why Joshua made the statement, as for me first... I'm going to serve the Lord. And sometimes we have Christians that you have not yet made that declaration because if, you're, if, it's, it's, if it's about you, we should know you're a Christian. You should talk like a Christian. Come on, somebody. Amen. You should act like a Christian. You should walk like a Christian. Your life should, should, should represent Christ. So should your Instagram. So should your TikTok. 
So should your Facebook if you're over 40. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> so should your Twitter. Whatever it is you got, it should reflect Christ. We should be able to see Christ in that somehow, some way. Because that's what it means. As for me and my house, some of you are just undercover Christians. And let me give you the definition of an undercover Christian. You ready for this? An undercover Christian is not a Christian. Tweet that, tweet that. Let somebody know around that, okay? An undercover Christian is not a Christian. If we can't tell you're a Christian, you're probably not. You're probably not. Can I get an amen on that? Beef up my security on the way out of here. I could fill it in here. I feel a brick spirit in the back. Amen. Well, somebody go watch my car right now before we... Uh... No, but uh, uh, that, so we talked about that. We talked about it's got to be in me. And then we talked about family values and how family values have been lost nowadays because people don't live like Christians and then they don't teach their children how to be Christians. And so there's no family values in the house now. And so I've even heard Christian parents say, well, pastor, I don't push my beliefs on my children. And I say, well, why not? Is something wrong with you? Do you need to go see a doctor? Because see, we push our beliefs on our kids every day. Why shouldn't we uh, push our faith on them? You put your, you put your thing, what you believe in your children every day. But why, when it comes to God and serving Jesus, are you going to say, oh, that's up to you, son? No. As for me and my house, we serve the Lord. And we talked about what family values should look like in your home. Go back and listen to that. And then last week, we, we pivoted a little bit. And now that we've talked about your house, your life, and then your family, your house, the Bible also says that the church is the house of God. In the book of Revelations chapter two, uh, the, the letters are being written to different types of churches. And we talked about how even though the body of Christ is vast, there are different houses all over Sacramento. And we're a part of the same body, but we're part of different houses. And many people say, well, why are there so many different churches? Because there's so many different people. Come on, don't complicate it. There's so many different people. And some people like this kind of church. Some people like that kind of church. And God says, I got you. Amen, I got you. So we'll, we'll have this kind of church, that kind of church. But then there's also churches, then uh, the book of Revelations talks about this, that have been given specific assignments. And that's what I believe here. Because when we were going to plant this church uh, almost 14 years ago, and we came to Sacramento and we saw how many churches there were here. I said to myself, God, I said to God, actually, I said, God, why do you want us to plant this church? There are so many churches. And that's when he gave us the vision that we now call Love God, Lift Others. And we talked about that last week in the vision of ELC being to win the loss, bring change to our communities by making disciples who will love God and lift others from the neighborhood to the nations. We've concised that into love God, lift others. Not because it's catchy, not because it's a great slogan, not because it sells t-shirts, but because that's the vision. And we've made it so basic that if you're a part of this house, it should be a part of your vision. Why? Because we believe that God has a purpose for every house. And if God has called you here, then this is the vision of this house. This is why you must pray about the church that God calls you to. Uh, you can't move like uh, most people move. Well, we go out and we try churches and it's consumer mentality. Oh, I like this church over here. I like the music here. I like this preacher here. I like this children's ministry. Oh, this church over here has a nice building. Let's go there. Oh, this church does this. And, and you got all these things and people just pick like they're shopping for groceries. 
It's not supposed to be like that. Remember, the Bible tells us when you're born again that the spirit of God comes and he lives on the inside of you. And we're instructed to listen to him and he will lead us into all truth, which means this. He will show you the church you're supposed to be a part of. Can I get an amen? We got someone catch the Holy Ghost running over here. Got the Holy Ghost or something? Okay. All right. Calm down. Praise God. I saw this brother over here running and my Lord, ushers, take care of that, please. Uh, you know, and, and so we have all these, these different things that are happening uh, and why churches, come on, come on, slow down, brother, slow down. It's going to be all right. Praise God. Amen. Uh, we have all these different churches and, and different things that are, uh, are going on. Uh, and, and we have to sometimes remember that it's God that leads us. And that's why whenever we have our gatherings, we say, man, pray about it. This is where God has called you to be. Because if he's called you to be here, last week we talked about this, the Bible says you're a living stone that God places to build spiritual houses. And we looked at that in 1 Peter chapter 2, 4, and 5. Let me read it to you real quick. They won't have it on the screen. But coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also are living stones, and you are being built up as a spiritual house. And there it is. It says you're a stone, and you're to be a part of a spiritual house, a holy priesthood that is to build a place where we offer up spiritual sacrifices unto the Lord. So we talked about that, and we've been saying you are building two houses. You're building your family. That's a house. But you're also building, or you should be building, the house of God. And you say, well, how do I do that? Number one, find out where he's called you to plant. And number two, get involved. And so that's what we started talking about, uh, this house and our mission being to raise up and reach uh, new converts and, and, and reach people, but also to be a place where we love God and lift others. And then we start talking about our family values at Elevate Life Church. And we started talking about last week, number one, we said that our identity, the values of this house, the culture of this house is this. Number one, we are lovers of the word. Can I get an amen? amen. See, you used to be a lover of the world. You used to date the world. The world was your boo. Amen? Come on. You don't just break up with that. No, you got a new boo. You got a new love. And guess who that love is? It's the word. Because the word and Jesus are one. In the beginning was the word and the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. Jesus is literally the living embodiment of the Bible. He is the word. So if Jesus is the word, I therefore love the word. And if you're a part of this house, what I'm trying to get inside of you every week is a love for God's word. I don't do TED Talks here. I don't do motivational talks here. I'm not just going to come into the house of God and I'm not just going to tell you that the Lord wants you to go higher. And if you turn around three times and say, turn it around, that God is going to turn. I'm not just going to get you on that height. Some of you like that though. I saw you. I saw you. And I'm not going to lie. I like that too. Because sometimes it motivates us, right? But if I just do that, it'll get you to Tuesday. And then you'll be calling your weed dealer by, by Wednesday or your ex-boyfriend by Thursday. 
and then Friday you're out at the club. Come on. So, so, you know, those things motivate us and those things are there, but my job and the reason why I preach this way and the reason why every time I bring the word, I use two, three, four scriptures is because I'm trying to get you a taste for the word. Some of you know what I mean by a taste because that's how you got turned out when you was in the world. You had a taste and that taste made you want more and more and more and more. And see, I'm just, I know that we don't deal with addiction in Christianity. God doesn't deal with addiction because only the devil deals with addiction. And I heard one preacher say, I'm trying to get you addicted to Jesus. And everybody cheered and he goes, and I said, no, no, no. God will never addict you because he wants to be chosen. Only the devil addicts you. Addiction is bondage. God don't addict you. Come on. He gives you a taste. That's why the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then he wants you to choose him, see? And so my job when I'm, when I'm giving you the word is to try to get you in love with God's word. And we looked at Matthew chapter 6, and it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Go back and listen to that. We talked about how most people are living their lives. You're trying to get the stuff. You're trying to get the stuff. And Jesus says, no, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. What is the kingdom? The kingdom is God's way of doing things and it's found in his word. Most Christians are trying to get the, the stuff and if we have leftover time, then we go after God. But see, you got it backwards. Jesus said, seek me first and then I'll add everything that you need to you. So while you're trying to build your business first, Jesus is waiting for you. And you're going, I'll be there in a minute. Just I'm building your, my business. And Jesus is trying to tell you through me today that if you seek him first, he'll build the business for you. Now, oh, y'all didn't catch that today. See, while you're trying to do the stuff, Jesus is waiting and then you, you go, oh, I got time. I'll go to church on Sunday and I'll seek God. And God's like, that's great. But I could, all the stuff you're killing yourself over, I would do for you if you'd seek me first. Are you tracking with me today? So I'm trying to make you a lover of his word. And the, one of the family values here, one of the core values, part of the culture here is we are lovers of the word. If you sit down with any of our leaders for counsel, we're always going to counsel you according to the word not according to feelings, not according to this or that or trends. I'm always going to look to the word to give you counsel because we love the word. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Then we talked about the second thing, uh, a characteristic in our culture as a church, as for this house, I can't speak for the church you come from or the church you got saved at, but as for this church, we pray. Can I get an amen on that? Tell your neighbor, we pray. we pray. Make it a declaration, even if you don't pray. Amen. Say, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, the average Christian does not pray in America. They just go to church. Could that be, that, could that be why their level of life has not changed? Listen, I'm telling you, prayer works. 
Prayer took me from a very uh, 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 a kid that could never read a book as I graduated high school. Took me from being a kid that hated school, barely graduated high school, and prayer transformed me to where now I've been over, over 40 different nations. I planted three churches. I picked out an incredible wife who was out of my league. Come on, somebody. Prayer did that. Amen? Prayer did that. Why do we pray? Because God, Jesus tells us, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. Why do we pray? Because James chapter 5, 16 says that the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man does and accomplishes much. What would happen in your life if you learned to pray? Well, sign up for my prayer, for my prayer time there and we'll see. What would happen to your marriage if you would pray? Why do you, how long, much longer are you going to let that porn addiction stay in your life? Let's pray. How much longer are you going to stay just believing for a house that never comes? Let's pray. Let's pray. Prayer changes things. No, no doubt, guys, over, in over 30 years, everything I have was birthed in prayer. Listen, when my wife was pregnant with our first child, I prayed. And I prayed that he wouldn't be crazy. Come on, somebody. And I prayed for his future. And I prayed for the second child. I prayed for the third child. And we get, had great kids that have, are coming, and they're still being great. And I'm still praying for them, amen, because they got challenges, as everybody does. But I have prayer. You want to know why my wife and I have survived 23 years when we both at times wanted to leave each other, when it got tough, we didn't want to stick together? Because I prayed. What would happen if you pray? Well, that's what we're going to find out if you're a part of this house. We want to get a prayer culture on the inside of you so you don't freak out when the doctor says you got the C word. Come on. You know what the C word is. You got cancer. Oh, my gosh. What am I going to do? Pray. Pray. What are you going to What am I going to do if I lose my job and they take away this promotion? Pray. It's the only thing that's got us through in life. If you've ever been on a missions trip with me, I tell our team all the time, listen, if we're in another country and something goes sideways, just pray. Yeah. Well, pastor, what do we do? Pray. Well, what if they do this and that happen? Pray. I remember we were in India and I'm about to go up and preach and the, and the pastor that's hosting us there is going on and on and he says, uh, right now I want to introduce you to a friend of, me, friend of mine who is just going to tell you a story. And, I, and as I went up, I gave him a hug. I said, a story? I thought I was here to preach. He said, I can't say preach because there are people in here that if you share the gospel, they're going to take you away and put you in prison. And then he goes like this. <laughs> so what did I do? I said, come on, everybody. Let's pray. Uh, Esco was with me on that trip. I said, let's pray. We prayed. And then the peace of God just flooded my heart. And I went after souls and I preached anyway. And did anybody arrest me? No, nobody arrested me because we prayed. I've been in situations. I remember when Selena was a little girl and, 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 we, and we had just left the doctor's office and she had a fever and she started going into uh, convulsions and, and, and she, she started like just shaking. My wife was brand, you know, it's only our second child. She didn't know what to do. So what did we do in that grocery store? She prayed. And people thought she was crazy. Ladies were running up. Oh my gosh, she's speaking gibberish. Something's wrong with her. She said, get away. I'm praying. And God saved my daughter right there in that grocery store. Because we pray. We pray. 
So if you're a part of this church, we're gonna put this in you and you're gonna hear about prayer. You're gonna see prayer modeled. We're gonna talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're gonna talk about praying in tongues. You're gonna hear prayer in tongues. Why? Because we pray. I don't know about the church you came from, but we pray. I don't know about how you were raised, but we pray. Amen? Amen. And because we pray, that's when there is a opening for miracles, for signs, for wonders, for healings, for transformation, for change. Tell your neighbor, we pray. Now, let me give you one more, another uh, family value that we have here, another culture point that we have in this church. And this is what I want to spend the remainder of my time talking to you about. So number one, we love the word. Number two, we pray. And number three, I want you to catch this. We do our best to believe the best. We do our best to believe the best. Say it with me. We do our best to believe the best. We do our best to believe the best. Now, I want to break this down to you in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. You could also put in parentheses there, we do our best to believe the best. It really comes down to this. We give the benefit of the doubt. Now, look at Philippians 4, verse 8. This is where we get this from. Finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. In other words, think on these things. Can I give you an everyday translation? Think on the things that are good. Can I get an amen on that? Do your best to believe the best. Now, this is what the word of God says, and it tells us this because each and every one of us is wired to do the opposite. This does not come naturally. We are all wired to see the worst. We're all wired to be suspicious untrusting. We walk into a room, we notice what's wrong. We meet somebody, we size them up and look at all their weaknesses first. But when we get saved, the Bible says, quit doing that. This is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to think. And can I just tell you guys something? It's difficult to rewire that brain of yours. It's even more difficult to rewire it if you've experienced trauma. Now, I've learned a lot about trauma. I have a therapist. My wife and I go to counseling for our marriage. We deal with things. I want to be the best pastor that I can to you. And I'm just telling you, I go to therapy and you should not be ashamed for going to therapy. Some of y'all need therapy and you're lying to yourself. Think I got this. No, you don't. (laughs) You don't. Get some help. Oh, pastor therapy is expensive. Yeah, but you know what's more expensive? Not dealing with some of the issues you have that are gonna destroy your marriage and cause a divorce that are gonna, you know what's even more expensive? If you don't deal with the things you do and your kid, you drive your kid crazy and now you gotta pay a lawyer to get him out of jail because he's acting out because of things you did. There's more expensive things than therapy. 
But let me tell you what I learned in, in dealing with some of these things is that when you've experienced trauma and say, pastor, what's trauma? If you've ever been raped, if you've ever been abused mentally, physically, sexually, if you've gone through a divorce, if you've ever been rejected by a parent, a mother, a father that wasn't there for you, uh, these things are traumatic. These things do damage to the human soul and psyche. They hurt. They hurt men, they hurt women. And for the most part, the human mind is, is very strong and the soul is very strong and it can overcome and we, and, and we go on and we move past these things. But one of the side effects of dealing with trauma is we move into survival mode in our thinking. And survival mode says this, I'll never be hurt again. And survival mode says this, it's up to me to make sure that I'm never hurt again. And so it trains the brain to walk into every situation and notice what's wrong. And so you walk into a room, you see all the things that are wrong. Some have even said people that have gone through trauma have heightened senses, which means they feel things that you and I don't feel. They can even smell things sometimes that our senses don't pick up. They see things that we don't, some of us won't see. It's, a, it's a, a product of that trauma when the mind gets in and goes, nope, I'm never gonna be hurt again. Now, some of those things may be a positive that have got you to a place in life that has protected you and kept you. But the problem is now, the Bible says you're born again. Not only are you born again, but God is your father. And that word father, one of the main definitions of that father in the Hebrew is he is your protector. In other words, he wants you to allow him to protect you. But as long as you're in control, as long as you're going to say, nope, I'm going to be the protector, he can't move there. And so what happens to traumatic people is they, they, they create, they call them neuropathways in the brain. And see, every activity that you, every thought that you have repeatedly kind of like digs a trench in your brain and it begins to create what I would call a trap in your thinking. And this is why the book of Romans tells us in Romans chapter 12 that you and I are to be transformed by the renewing of the mind. What does that mean? That means the Bible, we have to allow the Bible to create new neural pathways. So some people, right, we're already wired to think negative. We already are. But some people who've had trauma now are even at another level of they're just so negative. And you, you, know, you know people like that. And maybe you're one of them where every time you meet somebody, you just size them up and you see all the weaknesses. And if you're undisciplined, you go to your friends and go, what a, what a loser that guy was. You met him for two minutes. He said, hi, and you already know he's a loser. Yeah, because this, did you see this? Did you see this? Did you see this? Philippians says, quit thinking like that. Quit being like that. And this is the problem why some of us have the lives we have, right? You don't have a lot of friends. You know why? Because every time you meet somebody, you don't like them. Because all you see 
is the negative. Some of you have, I just can't find a man. You've met some good men. You just can't see how good they are because all you see is the negative because of them neural pathways. Oh, it gets worse because you know what happens with people with those neural pathways? They have babies, they have kids, and they have to parent their children from a place of only seeing the negative. Come on, some of you were raised by parents like that, that no matter what you did, mama was still mad. Man, you came back with A's and B's and they said, what's up with this B? Come on, you, you know, you would have a great game and they would bring up, yeah, but you dropped the ball in the third inning. What was up with that? Nothing you did pleased them because of these neural pathways. And so now that thinking is not only detrimental to you, it's damaging your kids. Tell your neighbor real quick, get some help. Get some help. Get some help. Get some help. And so catch this now. We all are like this, but some of us worse than others. And so there's this, there's this argument in society that says, well, are you a glass half full or a glass half empty person? And society just says, well, you're one or the other. But the Bible says, be a half full person. Think on these things. I was talking to somebody that I was discipling one time and I was challenging them in this area. And they said, oh, well, pastor, that's just how you are. That's just how you are. I tell you what, that hit my, that hit my spirit so hard. I, I, I wanted to punch him. <laughs> I did it, but I wanted to. Because it hit my spirit because I'm like, no, 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 no. I have worked very hard to change into the person that I am now. Now, when I say work very hard, I don't mean by works. I mean by discipline. Because I didn't always be a person that was a, a, a positive person. I was a person just like most of you. Man, the negative would bring me down. Something was always wrong with things. But when I got saved, I got to change that. I started working at that. I started confessing this verse. I started telling myself, nope, I'm going to think on these things. I'm going to start training myself to see the good because there's good everywhere. I just got to find it. There's good in darkness. There's good here. There's good there. So I am a treasure hunter for good. And you know why? Can I tell you why? Because I have to pastor y'all. So you laugh, but it's true. Because you know what I got to do? I got to see the good in you. Even though when I go on your Instagram, you show me the bad. Even though when I go on your Facebook, you show me the ratchet. I still got to believe the good. But can I tell you something? God doesn't only expect that from me. He expects that from you and 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 if you go to this church here my job and my goal is to get us all under this cultural point of saying we do our best to believe the best why because Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 you're a better person to be around 
when you focus and think on the good. You're a drain to society when all you do are, is, are be suspicious of people. Nobody's ever gonna be good enough to be your friend. Nobody's ever gonna be good enough to speak into your life. You're never gonna find a pastor that you're just in agreement with. Why? Because all you do is see the negative. So Paul writes to Philippian church and says, y'all gotta change this. And I tell you today, you have to change this. Let me show you why. John chapter 13, 34 through 35. Jesus comes to earth. And they're hitting him up about the Ten Commandments. Religious people always want to talk about the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not this, thou shalt not that. They're jamming him up. He's talking about it. So Jesus comes and he gets up to preach this day. And he says this, I give you all a new commandment. A new commandment. Who does Jesus think he is? Well, you could already feel it in the crowd. They were all upset. Who does he think he is giving a new commandment? Those commandments came from Moses. Who do you think you are? And look what he says. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Now, that's sweet and everything. And most people stop right there. Aw, let's all love one another. Come on. We are the world. Come on. And we get nice feelings. We get, you know, like, put your lighters up. Come on. And we just, we are the children. That's not where he stops though. He says a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. And here it is. As I have loved you. That's how he says you and I need to love. In other words, it's a new standard, y'all. It's a new standard. You don't get to love people with the world's love any longer. And let me tell you what the world's love looks like. You and I are good as long as you're doing good to me. That's the world's love. We're straight. Hey, pound. Every time I see you, good. We good. We good. But then I find out you've been saying dirt about me. So I come to you and I punch you in the face. And they say, why'd you punch him in the face? And my response is, man, we used to be cool. But then he started talking about me behind my back. So I punched him in the face. Now, some of you would go, oh, well, I get it. Yeah, he shouldn't have been, he shouldn't have been talking about you. You wouldn't have got punched in the face. Makes sense to the world, but not to Jesus. Because Jesus don't punch us in the face when we mess up, does he? Could you imagine a punch from Jesus? Come on, somebody. He doesn't do that. Let me show you Psalms uh, 103, 8 and 10. Look what it says here about God and his love towards us. He says this, the Lord is merciful. He's gracious. Here's a big one. He's slow to anger. Means, that means he puts up with a lot. And he abounds in mercy. He's always given second chances. And he will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. But listen to this. But he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punishes us according to our iniquities. That means when he sees you, he doesn't look at you and go, oh, you ain't been tithing, have you? My, my, my. Yeah, save them prayers. Say less. I ain't do another for you. Get your weight up and then I'll come back. No, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He doesn't look at you and go, oh, it's you. You ain't prayed in a long time. What's your name again? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 
Oh, 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 now you want something. He doesn't do that. He doesn't look at you and bring up what you did last week, last year, when you were in high school. Somebody say amen. Amen. He don't bring up all your lovers, past lovers, your body count. Come on, somebody. He ain't look. Oh, look at Susio coming in here right now. Okay. He doesn't do that. You know what he does? He looks at you and deals with you mercifully, deals with you as he would deal with Jesus. Even though you're just a big chismosa, a gossiper, you talk about everybody, you talk about other kids that God loves. You, if you came to me like that, I might push you away, but Jesus says, no, come on. And he looks at you as if you've never done anything. How many know that's true? How many have felt God deal with you like that? Amen? So here's what, here's what Jesus says. Love your brother as I have loved you. And then he puts these dubs on it. Go back to that scripture in John 13. He says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples. You know what that means? Y'all ready for this? That means if you don't love like that, you're not his disciple. Oh, but I go to church. I go to church and I'm an usher and I serve. But do you love like this? See, your bar doesn't count. The bar he sets counts. That's why I'm trying to teach you to do your best, to believe the best. Because before you can express love to anybody else, it's got to start right here. And it's got to start with what you believe about people. And you got to start believing the best about people. You know, there's an app, there's a, there's a, a, a site I follow on Instagram called South Sac News. And they like to post things that are bad with South Sac. They post all the crime on South Sac, shooting on Franklin Boulevard. And then everybody chimes in and they go, ah, South Sac, Iraq, South Sac, Iraq. And I always post on there praying for my city, praying for my city. I love Sacramento, praying for my city. And if you look through the comments, it stands out like, like I, I, I rolled up on the wrong post all of a sudden, you know what I'm saying? It's all this stuff. Man, I hate South Sac. This is stupid, man. These people be shooting at me. I love South Sac, praying for my city. And I always get likes on it because I think it jams people out of their negativity. You see, because I am trained by God's word to believe the best. But here's the big thing. So are you. So this culture point that I'm giving you today, I said it's we do our best to believe the best because I don't want you to think we get it right all the time and you're not going to get it right all the time. We make mistakes, but this is the goal. We want to believe the best. I mean, bring it into everyday life. That's why we say give the benefit of the doubt. How you think is always going to dictate how you act. Amen? But the problem with us is most of us are on the defense all the time. If somebody gives you a dirty look, you think they want to fight you. You think they don't like you. You think, you know, they're trying to get at you. What you don't know is they're just constipated. They're on the way to the doctor right now. And they're just like, ugh, ugh. 
You think they're giving you the fizz face. Come on. No, it's, they haven't been able to go in a while. But because you think that way, let, let, let me paint a picture for y'all. You go to a fast food restaurant, right? You're in the drive-thru. You say, yeah, give me a number one. And he said, what, you want a number two? No, I said a number one. Oh, you want one number two? No, I want a number one. And they finally gets it right. You go and you get the money and you pay the money and, and, and uh, you get your bag and you drive off and then you notice they forgot the fries. Here's how some of you think. Man, that fool forgot my fries. He knew what he was doing. He was messing with me. I'm going to go back there and ask for a manager, and I'm going to tell that manager to fire him, and I'm going to demand some justice for my fries. You know where all that started? Because in your mind, you perceived evil. You perceived wrongdoing. If you would have just opened that bag and went, oh, homie forgot the fries. Oh, I'm sure that was just a mistake. Let me go back and get them. That's a whole different day. That's a whole different encounter. You're going to be good. Now your fries are going to be fresh. They're going to say, I'm sorry. And you're going to be, and you're going to go on your way. Over here, you're about to fight, homie. Get it, take his job. Take, take bread out of his kids' lives. He can't feed his family because you got him fired because of what went on in here. Church, we need to learn how to err on the side of grace. Believe the best. Can I get an amen? Believe the best. Why does it always have to go to the negative? That's the fallen mind. It's going to take time for you to train this brain to think on these things. And if you experience trauma, you are going to work, have to work even harder at it because your brain has been trained to walk into a room and see everything that's wrong so that it knows where the threat is. But let me just tell you something. Your heavenly father is now your protector. Take those guards down. Allow God to give you the eyes of Jesus. Learn to love people the way Jesus loves you. And you can't do it until you start seeing people different. And I'm just going to tell you this. Some of you that have experienced trauma, that trauma is going to spread until you learn how to train your mind to think like the word of God thinks. You are going to do damage. They have something called generational trauma. You know what that is? That's when a person passes on their trauma through their neural pathways and the way they think and the way they engage. And now your kids have trauma. I get it. It's hard. It's tough. But the word of God. If as your shepherd, I could teach you the word of God and I could challenge you. And if you serve on any of our teams, our staff will tell you all the time when something comes up, we always say, hey man, give them the benefit of the doubt. They might come in, so-and-so was supposed to serve today. They didn't even show up. What's the deal? Hey man, you don't know what happened. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they got sick. Maybe they had a flat tire. Maybe their phone died and they couldn't call you. Oh, pastor, you stretching now. No, I'm giving the benefit of the doubt to keep my mind at peace, to obey Philippians chapter four. You see, next week, I want to remind you guys, we have our guest with us. He just wrote a book called The Missing Peace. If you know anybody that deals with anxiety or fear, get them here. It's going to be a powerful, powerful time. 
But most of what we deal with, with anxiety, with panic attacks and all these things, yes, it's trauma related, but it's also because we have to rewire our brains to see the good. You start seeing the good, you'll have more friends. You'll start seeing the good in your spouse instead of always seeing what is wrong, you're gonna find that that marriage is gonna last and be stronger. You start seeing the good in your kids, they'll actually grow up and wanna still be around you instead of moving away from you and not wanting to visit you. I'm sorry, I just gotta tell you this. It all comes from how we think about life. And if you go to this church, you're gonna hear this a lot. We do our best to believe the best. Give the benefit of the doubt. Don't always assume evil. Start understanding that I gotta think right and I gotta see right. I know life has been tough to some of you and it can condition, even when you go through something like a rape or abuse physically or mentally, man, it, it puts you on the defense But don't allow that situation to now pollute the rest of your life. Renew your mind to the word of God. Guys, church is not just a nice thing you do on Sundays. If you take the words, this is what we started with Jesus saying. If you hear the word and do it, you're a wise man. If you only hear it but never do it, you're a foolish man. Today, what I'm challenging you to do is to begin to attack the way you think about people in life. If you could just begin to take a stand and say, you know what, I'm gonna do everything I can to reprogram my mind to see the good. Some of you got really good kids, but you haven't told them how good they are in a very long time. Do you know how many adults I've sat across and they said, man, pastor, I never heard my dad say I'm proud of you. That's a crime. That's a crime. And some of you have never been able to do it because all you see is what's wrong. We need to do what the Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians. Look what he says in that same scripture. I want to read it to you in the Passion Translation. He says, keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is real, honorable, admirable, beautiful, respectful, pure, and holy, and merciful and kind. He says, fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God so you'll praise him always. And then he says, put into practice the example of all that you have heard from me and seen in my life and the God of peace will be with you in all things. See, Apostle Paul even says this too. He says, that's the example I'm leaving you guys. I do this, you can do this. And I wanna encourage you guys in here today. Start challenging how you think. Why are you so negative? And quit saying, well, that's just the way I am. You can change. Well, I'm a half, I'm a glass half empty kind of person. That's just the way it is. And you're this. No, no, get off of that tip. The word of God wants to transform you. The word of God can change you by renewing of your mind. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store and you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.